Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond Styles, and I am the master chef, cooking you up something succulent and divine. It's your boys out here, and we are serving hot talk and cool iced tea. And I'm Mia Mix, here to set the tone and make sure the mood is right. So come on in and get comfortable. Pull up a chair, have a seat. You can even take your shoes off. Wait, not if your feet is down. <laughs> oh, hell no. Welcome, Welcome to Marsha's Plate. The time has come for you to be the change you want them to be, yeah. No more running around filled with all hypocrisy, yeah. It starts from the inside, it spreads wide, and everything will be alright. Join the conversation. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We want to hear what you guys have to say. You can also help us build community by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Marsha's Plate. By contributing to this podcast, you help us continue our powerful work to change culture one episode at a time. So let's get started hey what's up y'all this is diamond i am so excited about this conversation this is gonna be we're gonna just cover all kinds of stuff all kind of different stuff that we um probably have never talked about on um marcia's play or on my channel or whatever but because we're queer we're gonna come from a queer lens and so you know i think y'all gonna enjoy the conversation so i have brought on a houston legend <laughs> adonis so adonis introduce yourself to everybody short little bio just so they know who you are okay first and foremost thank you for allowing me to be here miss diamond the incomparable the magnificent the woman miss diamond um so for those who don't know me, my name is Adonis Darling. I am a born and bred Houstonian, um, black gay man. I like homosexual because it sounds more Southern, more dignified for whatever reason. You don't like uh, punk? <laughs> listen, when we get to running it, there we go. You say punk, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see, we can go into things. I am a lover of life. Put it like that. I'm a lover of life. I'm an Aries. My mind's big is ENTP. My love language is acts of service. Words of affirmation. We can go from there. <laughs> my love language is acts of service and um, physical touch. Oh, so, okay. But definitely acts of service is number one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, since we, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, what do I call myself? I'm, um, I'm a Southern Northerner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm not I was not born and raised in the South, but I was born I was raised by people who were born and raised in the South. And I have a very Southern upbringing. I moved to Mississippi when um when I was 18. And then yeah. I moved to Texas when I was in the middle, um, middle of my 20s. And so you know, I have tons of Southern roots. I would have to come back and forth down here. My grandmother from the South, my great grandmother from everybody is from the South, just like many other people. And so I just was, you know, I just connect with the South. That's just mm -hmm. how I am. Um, 
but we both are here in Texas and we celebrate and have been celebrating yes. Juneteenth. <laughs> it ain't nothing new. Yeah, so I wanna um I wanna talk about that. So oh. recently we have had you know unanimous vote go through that Juneteenth is going to be a federal holiday. And you know, I that on the surface that sounds like great news. Um, but me being, you know, a cynic and a petty motherfucker, I'm you know, I'm like these white motherfuckers don't need to get no days off because of slavery. <laughs> they get enough because of slavery. <laughs> I'm like, this kind of feels some kind of way. But also it feels some kind of way because at the same time as y'all unanimously voting to make this a federal, you know, a federal um, holiday, y'all also are voting against teaching the motherfucking history with critical race theory y'all are voting against teaching and y'all harassing a black woman who has given y'all the award-winning 1916 <laughs> to, to help y'all teach this kind of more authentic history and y'all are harassing her hitting up her damn job trying not to get um her to get tenure at the school that she's at all that kind of bullshit. So it just feels that it just feels super, super performative. And at the okay. end of the day, people are going to benefit from it that shouldn't be benefiting from it. So what is your what's your thoughts about Juneteenth? Um, I definitely feel very similar to you. My thing is, and I was saying today on the post again, me being born and bred in Texas, whether it never became a national holiday or not, it's still like it's still part of my MO modus operandi that hey this is what we're doing so what it definitely does seem performative however i do think it's worth celebrating um it needs to be celebrated and i didn't realize until i got to college when i went to Prairie View that only that it was really a big thing amongst the black belt or deep south that i didn't know so many northerners didn't know about what juneteenth was um, I do think the opportunity of this, while they're trying to take out critical race theory teachers in school, is that now that this shit is on the calendar, that motherfuckers, whatever they don't teach and it observes, motherfuckers pick up their phone now. These little kids, these individuals, when they get curious, because if Gen Z don't do nothing else and then Generation F to follow, they're going, they're already glued to these phones. So right. we don't have to have that same conversation as we did with certain individuals. Um, across the United States about what Juneteenth is because you don't get to see what exactly Juneteenth is and like what it stems from. I definitely do hate it. The fact that, hey, what are reparations? What is at least the anti-Black bill that needs to be signed? All of those things. However, um, in this moment, I'm going to go ahead and sip my lemonade out of the limits and continue to fight for that while enjoying my barbecue on Juneteenth. Fast. And also what I did, what I have learned, because I when I was growing up, I always thought of it as, uh, you know, like a southern holiday, something that most people, a lot of people in the South do. What I have learned as I got 
older and kind of explore the country, there is pockets of the community in the North that would definitely have been celebrating Juneteenth for a while, just mm -hmm. because, you know, particularly those kind of woke pockets. There was some certain people like in New York and um, in Chicago that I knew and in Boston when I, cause I, you know, I, I lived in Boston when I was younger that you would find certain um, pockets of black folks that kind of, mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of celebrating that were from the south that kind of migrated up that kind of continued that tradition of celebrating now i won't say that it's super it was super super popular but there were pockets of the north that was definitely celebrating but it definitely as i was growing up it definitely seemed some, like something that only southern folks was doing particularly you know over here like louisiana texas and mississippi it's stuff like that it, it, it's a whole movement um oh, it's, it's always been our july 4th um now we we gonna take advantage of both don't get me wrong because black folks down here any, any excuse for us to be together barbecue fellowship and just enjoy one another we've taken advantage of that because of definitely how we do family down here um however yeah juneteenth what i can't what i also can say now that i never would dawn to me differently is the fact of what does this look like for I mean I say well I can say I collectively speak our ancestors what does this look like when this was the day of a trauma filled life and I saying that ours may not be but a day to day trauma filled life that this day provided them so much joy that I feel as though it's a good way to at least connect with them in their sense. They celebrated. This was one day that brought them joy with all the hell they was going through. So I can definitely commemorate that uh, with my family and friends and other descendants of though, my ancestors with this. So I definitely look at it a different way um, now because of that. And I didn't really stump on it until I think yesterday. I think that one of the important turning points in my life recently probably within the past um definitely three years um mm -hmm. in researching and finding stuff to talk about um on the show i went to um i have found this article from 1870 and i've talked about this on the show and i but i'm just going to talk to talk to it to you i found this article about this guy at the time this the slave guy um who when he at the time found out that juneteenth was like he forgot the news of juneteenth mm -hmm. she transitioned really? and started living her life in her truth <laughs> so now I, I in my mind i like to um it, it, i like to celebrate and tell people about that because she started being lizzie Mag montgomery and it was be and it, it kind of informed me of how, what was going on at the time and this was a person uh -huh. in texas this is a person who you know, think about it. If I, I'm like I'm a slave and I feel like I couldn't do it. What does that say about community, the 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 um, atmosphere of a community? If I felt the need in 1870, not the need, I felt the freedom to be able to transition for whatever reason, the community that I was a part of. 
it was not okay while I was in slavery, but okay in 1870 right. um, to, you know, to, tr to transition and be who I am. I thought that was an amazing because it, it kind of speaks against the idea because, you know, this person as a black person, the only community they had was black people. Right. And so it speaks against the narrative that all oh, black people are not accepting, that black people would not um, accept this lifestyle and blah, 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 blah. But for whatever reason, this person felt like, OK, slavery is over. I can transition in 18 fucking 70. And then when we when we hear about Frances Thompson living with her cisgender homegirl um, during the Memphis riots and these trans women who were living during this era and living their life. Cause a lot of times we talk, talk about it, like, you know, Marsha P Johnson, like it started in the sixties or, you know, when we talk about Lucy P Lucy um, Henderson Hicks um, in the thirties and, you know, it almost like we still are reoccurring this kind of narrative that this just became popular and actually it's been around. Like we, we keep finding mm -hmm. stories where we know that it's been around and to see, um, Juneteenth make an impact on this trans person's life. Like I'm about to transition and be the woman that I always wanted to be. I thought that that was a powerful story because I had never heard it. And isn't that great? That is great. And then it just adds something more to the month of pride. <laughs> like coincidentally, like you just adds more to it now. Um, so we have Martha P. Johnson. Now we have, uh, what's her name again? Her name was Lizzie McGuire. Lizzie, oh wow! Oh, no, 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 no! I, I'm, that's not the name. That's the wrong. I'm thinking Lizzie McGuire, the white bitch. No, <laughs> Lizzie Montgomery. <laughs> okay, so now we got. I mean, we got two black trans women that we can celebrate in a month of pride. Like that's definitely something that's liberating. And a lot of people. So let me tell you like, um, another thing about my last name, Dorn. So I am a half African. What that means, I'm half Nigerian, half American. My dad from Nigeria, my mom from Dallas, they met in Houston. However, the last name Dorlin is, so it's not my, it's not my government last name, but the reason why I go by that last name because that was my grandmother's maiden last name from her family because that was a name for whatever reason that they chose once they got emancipated. So it means a lot, the fact that they didn't continue to carry like the slave owner's name, this is the name that we created that we're gonna use so that means a lot to me. I love it. And I like the sound of it too. So yeah, I do too. I love it. And what it, just fun fact, um, what people may not know is outside of Nigeria, the in 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 Houston, this they have the biggest population of Nigerian community. Absolutely. Here <laughs> in Nigerian and um Vietnamese. <laughs> Those are the biggest of um, minorities in regards to like foreign immigrants coming here. So quite interesting. So yeah, everybody, I hope that y'all enjoy your Juneteenth and you eat and have fun and love on your people and do something special. Yeah. Shout out to Tiwa Queen and Jay. Before COVID, they will put on a Juneteenth um, party up in New York that I absolutely love. It was the mm -hmm. high, it has been one of the highlights of the past couple of years. I hate that COVID came in and fucked shit up. So hopefully we'll be back. They'll they'll do it again. <laughs> Denise just, and Queen, I hope y'all listening. <laughs> they'll do it again because, you know, don't nobody um, 
you know, put on no party like like them when it comes to um, celebrating black folks and creating um, inclusive spaces. So shout out to them that even when COVID happened, they did like a Zoom version of it and that motherfucker oh, was fire. But oh, the best one, they had a DJ, they was interviewing people. It, it, they were going back and forth to, um, on the on the camera with different people watching, like the audience. People was dancing. They were playing drugs. That shit was motherfucking fire. I ain't seen no... The standard of zooming some shit was set. I ain't seen no shit like it before or after. <laughs> fire. So shout out to them. I love y'all. And hopefully we'll be back next year to celebrate Juneteenth. <laughs> Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and i know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because i put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch i am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you i really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. Let's go into... You know, I would it's a guilty pleasure of mine, but mm -hmm. a lot of people like this. So let's talk about I know that you like the true crime drama, right? Right. Love it. Right. So I want you to tell me who are your top three serial killers. Okay. Um who top three. So my uh it's so crazy because even well, we'll get into like off the rip, it is Charles Manson. Um, why? Okay, give me why on Charles. Why Charles? The reason why about Charles is the fact that this motherfucker never actually killed anyone per se himself. However, he had the mouthpiece and whatever that genius say quite about him to be able to have other people do it. Okay. That's you know, to me, that's all on a whole different level. Like, I don't have to be the one because I got, I can, I can get into your head to make you do what I want you to do, um, which is so interesting to me. But we're gonna go back and forth. Okay. So you got Charles. Um, I think mine is, I'm gonna say Eileen Warnes. Really? Okay. Okay. Just because, first of all, she a woman. She represents for the women. Not that she was the only woman serial killer, but it's not a lot of them. But just the fact that she was a sex worker and she was killing her motherfucking clients. I right. remember those days when I wanted to wear them motherfuckers out. So <laughs> I kind of, you know, I she holds a special place in my little memory when it comes to serial killers. I like how she was setting them niggas up. Them niggas thought that they was coming to objectify her and wear her out and she'll wear they ass out <laughs> which 
it's almost like you don't I, I don't see it's almost because she was like a victim of these dudes mm -hmm. in a certain way it almost didn't feel like oh you're just an evil person doing shit to people like you i get that feeling sometimes with um with serial killers where you just doing this because you're evil but mm -hmm. i didn't I, I there was a sympathy that i had for eileen warnes um warnos or however you pronounce it there was a sympathy that i had for her and so yeah i i could see myself doing what she did uh, uh, unlike any other serial killer that i like <laughs> oh and for those who don't know who that is there's definitely if y'all seen the movie monster then y'all can be familiar with her story with charlene starring charlene theron <laughs> yes, yes. my next one will be pedro Fil filio filio i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right um pedro was the real life dexter so to speak so he was a vigilante killer so people who commit crimes and all like they wronged him and was also wronging other people my brother just came and just maybe he dealt with them including his own father which was crazy oh. yeah but so yeah he is my my number two my strong number two he was like superman serial killer <laughs> <laughs> i think my next one is gonna be jeffrey Jeffrey okay. Dahmer. Okay. It's something about um this is not a good thing. This is not a good thing, but it's something about um it's something intriguing about it. It's intriguing about him in the sense that everybody talks about how cool, you know, how they wouldn't expect this person to be like this. Mm -hmm. And his backstory is very, yeah, he was kind of a weirdo nerd motherfucker, but we would we wouldn't expect this. And the right. fact that he come from a two parent home, a parents that seemingly didn't abuse him. Yeah. And Same. so, you know, the 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 narrative usually is, oh, they must have been getting abused. They got some kind of complex that they're doing. But his family has been interviewed and, you know, they like, we didn't know none of this shit was going on. This nigga was just crazy. <laughs> and they had, uh, you know, they had the history of him fucking with animals and burying them and doing all that that kind of shit and then one of the most shocking stories about him is that um cambodian victim that he had that was like young that was like 14 and that black girl that found uh, he got away he, even though he was drugged he got away and the black girl found him and called the police and the police didn't even fucking do listen shit. to the girl yeah. or the boy they thought he was just some gay boys doing some freaky shit and right and when you seen him you was like he looks like a child he don't look like a grown man but just because it was they was gay the police officers was like fuck this gay shit we done with this and didn't even do what they were supposed to do and he ended up killing that boy too it was a and, crazy and situation and now so let me share share this um uh, fact about you because jeffrey was on there position saying i i use another one the crazy thing about uh jeffrey nama was it was one well she she, she don't even notice this day but it was one of the things that my mama would passive aggressively try to scare me with with being gay so long, long story short they i don't know um back in the day here in houston they are, the Christians and Jehovah's there have like this little comic strip book. It was vertical and they had like tales depending on the quote unquote sin and different stories as to why you shouldn't partake in it. Well, some kind of way, this one that we had was one by Jeffrey Dahmer and it was about homosexuality. 
culture. As they get so creative when they're trying to. <laughs> oh Lord. They try to marginalize you, but they ain't creative at all when they're trying to help the people. They or not, and I remember being a kid. I had to be like around maybe five, six, but you know, I was reading it, and I remember like looking through it. And my mom say, "Look, you see this man? He a white boy. He gay, and you see he likes to kill little black boys like you. So you need to be careful around X, Y, Z." Mind you, after she told me that, now I'm terrified because I already knew from a young age, I already knew I was gay. And because of what I saw on TV when I did see um, gay men, they were always with white men. So I never even thought about the possibility of being with another per, per, another queer person of color, let alone black. I didn't think it happened because I never saw it. So I'm thinking in my head, when I grow up, damn, I, whoever I fall in love with is, is going to kill me and eat me. So I'm like, I'm really... <laughs> through my head i'm like oh my god like what i'm gonna do and i promise you for like two weeks straight i had nightmares i was scared to go to sleep and quote incidentally it the end of that week was the same a week where jeffrey Dahmer got killed in jail and i was finally able to like relax and sleep so <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it is so crazy now when he got killed yes because <laughs> As a kid, I'm just like, Lord, so then, you know, so then it made me realize, then, okay, well, once he, for, I don't know why, well, once he gone, I'm thinking like he like the queen bee. Once he out the way, hey, the other white boys ain't going to want to do it no more. Right? <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so who's your next? So my next one would be, ooh, it's just so, who, because Jeffrey Dahmer is normally the other one. Another one who I would say is definitely very much intriguing to me, and they're like, what and what, um, is Ted Bundy. Oh, we, too. Yeah, but it's because, again, um, I, all the personality says to Ms. Brosbury, I can just, I love all of that. Um, not to judge anybody from it or anything like that, but it gives you like a cheat code with dealing with certain people, just knowing how they tick. And the fact that this motherfucker was so, because I hate anything that's predictable in scary movies and all that. And the fact that this motherfucker subscribed to the respectability politics that he was this handsome white man, this smart white man articulate, presented this way and was offering these motherfuckers based on the fact that everybody was looking for somebody that looked like this when the monster was in front of you, how you desired him to look. So him like like that right there, just the fact of the trope that he is, like I I, I love the idea of that. I, totally. That is that is who was my third one as well. Um Bundy. He it is how long he got away because he was right. a, a the stereotypical respectable white man. When it comes to his girlfriend not snitching, like it was so many clues that they all had that they were like, uh nah. Like when they was talking about his tan car and his girlfriend knew he had a tan car and the right. picture looked like him. And he was like, hmm, I don't know. And then the idea of him, the girl that he met at that lake, the girl that he, the two girls that he found at the lake. Remember, he one he found and, and killed her, but right. he, he was the reason why he was able to get her is because she he told her that he needed help. He had a um, sling, and she was helping him, and he got her in the car and got her together. And so, 
for me that the fact that he kept doing that he kept being that person that everybody seen that could mm -hmm. be trustworthy even the girl that got away when he met her at the um at the mall remember that not in um not in seattle where he started where he had killed a lot of people but in in the mall um that he met that girl i think that was in was it utah or, or colorado i can't remember exactly where but somewhere he he spread he was statewide then he went to florida yeah and the whole getting women to marry him while he was in court it started to be a circus that yeah. whole thing where the dude was um he was coming out the elevator and the, all the paparazzi was there it's just it was so crazy how he played the people and how he played the media still got got but and how, how he played everything was crazy what i do like about true crime as well is the fact that it's escapism for me definitely it's definitely escapism for me and i feel as though i don't know if you've heard this saying they say a smart person learns from their mistakes a wise person learns from other people's mistakes so not on no victim blaming shit however it definitely has made me more hyper vigilant with certain situations and certain things because i ain't even i everybody don't know this but as a kid i was kidnapped for a little over a little over a month wow yeah didn't even know that's the crazy thing um i was kidnapped uh, by my godmother we were in mexico no harm or anything was done to me because i was always with her that was my you know that's my, my godmother so but then coming to find out she didn't took me to mexico didn't ask my mama my mama going crazy and even though i was um you know four five around the area i knew that this is more this is a lot longer than me being away from my parents than normal I didn't think anything of it. I didn't because it was your godmother. Yes. So I didn't realize how big it was until I got back, and then how my mom reacted. And my mama would always, unfortunately, use scare tactics to make to make sure that I didn't wind up in a situation like that. So she made show um, unsolved mysteries. We watched that together. She made she made me understand who um, Adam Walsh was. The purpose of unsolved mysteries why john walsh was doing it so i've always had a, a connection to it and always been intrigued wait 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 it. america most wanted yes yes oh, i said unsolved mysteries yes but that too <laughs> <laughs> so um yes america's most wanted because he was a little boy you know just being a little boy and unfortunately oh, wait, wait 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 how what did your uh, your godmother say why did she kidnap you some conversations still have not been had because you know like a lot of black people they'll be like they just sweeping under the rug um my mom i try not to have certain conversations well we're getting better we're getting better but just to get a little idea my mom's a counselor so she can be real sensitive and real real very protective about certain things so when you get bring up certain things it take my mother to left and it, and you know what it could be how we talk um on the phone it could be one of her triggers what i do know is this well what I, what i've realized what it was because i was still sneaking call my godmother after the fact believe it or not and i think that my godmother couldn't have children biologically and i think and it would be numerous it would be multiple occasions where she would say that she'll be pregnant 
And even as a kid, I'm like, well, no, 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 mama, you, you, you're not pregnant because, you know, X, Y, Z, certain things to look for. And it would always be a situation to where she had a miscarriage. Cause she, she'll, she'll date different men. It'll always be a situation to where she got pregnant. And mind you, at this time, not saying it can't happen. However, my, my godmother didn't have the same resources as a lot of women um do now. And my godmother was in her mid-40s then. And this was like in the early 90s. And she kept on saying she was pregnant, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, I don't remember seeing too many women of her age uh being pregnant. Then certain things she would do, she'll still be drinking or smoking. And I'm like, I don't really think that she's pregnant. I think she she loves the ideal of being pregnant. However, the way that she used to act towards me is very much as if though, you know, this is my child, this is my baby, which you know you would want the godparent. From a godparent, yeah. It, That's it was, why she was able to get your ass because she was like your godparent, wasn't for sure. <laughs> absolutely. And it, it, <laughs> oh, I want. Did your mama want to fight her? <laughs> Oh Lord, like to this, like it, it definitely evokes a lot of things where, where her name is brought up. In your memory, tell me what is your favorite, not serial killer, but just crime story. Like you, it, the most craziest one that you remember that's your favorite story. You, oh, damn. It's, it'd be so hard because once I think I have one, and especially like recording this content for the channel, I find another one. The one that, oh God, it's so many. And I hate when people say, like, you ask somebody a direct question, and then it's like, I don't know, but who I mean, I had. I knew it was going to be difficult. <laughs> what it was diff I picked one, but it, but it was it, it was difficult to narrow it down to one, but this one is my favorite. The one that's got me the most is, I want to say, bam, 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 bam. it had to be Johnny Gosh. Tell me about Johnny Gosh, because I don't know that one. Oh, that's what started my whole YouTube channel all through the pandemic. So I'll make a long story short, and it's so crazy, Diamond. Like the world that we've lived in has always been filled with like sick and deranged motherfuckers. We were just um not privy to a lot of shit and sheltered to it. So it was in I want to say 82, 81. Look, you know, in, in um Ohio, somewhere in the Midwest. He had a paper route. He had to be no more than 12 years old. Every morning, he'll go out and do his little paper route. You know, back when people did read the newspaper. Right. Um, it was a little red way. I used to be a paper delivery boy. Oh, really? <laughs> hmm. And it's always, they always say issues. Anyway, they, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that. I, I've always wanted to, after the video game, paper boy back in the day. But anyway, so this morning was different because Johnny's dead was gonna go with him but as little boys do even kids do hey i want to be independent i want to do xyz johnny delivers certain papers um make a long story short a witness saw johnny giving directions to um a car a, a guy in the car um the guy had drove off when the other adult had came my mind you see some in the morning it's still dark outside so johnny keeps going they hear all of a sudden probably like a couple of minutes later, down the street, they hear like somebody put somebody in the car and burn it off. And this boy technically has not been found to this day. Um, years down the line, when I say years down the line, I mean like within the last decade, his mom said that he came to the house. But Diamond, it exposed a lot of shit. A that I did not know was even going down in the Midwest, 
um, like near Georgetown and all that, but it was so many boys that have been abducted. And it's like a um, crime, it's a human trafficking organization. And they said allegedly that, you know, um, George Bush Sr. was a part of it. It was so many different things. You see all these different people that was a part of it. And it really shook me because I will always say, even though we know racism real motherfuckers, like they half ass when it's us, um, I have to be real with a lot of shit when I notice patterns, because I, I cannot not notice patterns. It's the ENT, pay me. They did not take child abduction seriously back then. They didn't. And then they tried to make this, his mother, um, John Gosh, they tried to make it seem as if though this woman was, um, she was crazy. She was hard to work with. She was all these things because this woman wanted to know what the fuck is my son? Why aren't y'all helping me? And they made this woman out to a villain and so many things. And like John Walsh, um, because that was his situation happened a couple of months before Adam Walsh was taken to Florida. And she started a organization, I forgot the name of it, that helped um parents of kids who were abducted. However, that really, I don't know, that was so intriguing to me because shit, a couple of months later in the same neighborhood community, another little boy, paper boy was taken. Another little boy. They found their remains. Those boys ended up being killed. Um, unfortunately, they found their remains. However, to this day, Johnny Gosh hasn't turned up. Wow. Yeah. I, I remember I used to be scared of um, abduction just because my mom was super, super protective too. But because so many mm -hmm. things were going on in the 80s around that time when it comes to abduction and my mother was witchy as fuck. So she always like believed in like dreams and like if she had dreams about something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what's crazy. This is the wildest shit. This is one of the key moments of why I started to be um, believing like, you know, the supernatural shit that was going on in my family. Um, my mother had a dream about me getting kidnapped by two white boys in um in this green truck like a van that can slide the door open uh-huh had the dream about it and so she told me like look um like if anybody i don't care who it is if they're trying to get you to come in a car if they're trying to tell you and you know the typical stuff don't i don't care if it's no candy i don't care if it's whatever they're trying to tell you you do not stop go by the car you just you you can be respectful to people and say hey or whatever blah 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 but do not follow no people that you do not fucking know period yep. barely yep. even talk to their ass say hi and bye blah 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 blah. and at around six years old i was at a park and it was across the street from my house so because the park with my mother where we where we say that to this point the the our house was across the street from the park so if it was any other time where if i had to go somewhere where she couldn't see me out the window i wouldn't be able to go but because right. this park was right across the street from the house and she could watch me while she was in the apartment um my she would let me go out there by myself i was like six seven you know that kind of age and i remember about to walk home 
like coming from where the the playground toys and shit was the teeter saw and all that shit you had to walk across this little field and then the street and then if i cross the street my house would be right there my um my apartment and so before i got to the street there was this van that was green it was a sliding door and it was a dude in the passenger in the driver's seat and a in a dude in the in the seat he opened the door and he was mm-hmm. in the seat and he was asking me um questions and trying mm-hmm. to get me to come to the van like right in front of our house that defense was bold yeah and I I went around the van. I didn't even come by the van. Once I seen him open the thing and was talking to me and was telling me, come here and da da da, two white boys. Cause first of all, we live in a black area and yeah. we we in Indianapolis, we um, you know, it was real segregated. It wasn't you will see a couple of white girls who have mixed kids, you know, in the hood neighborhoods, but you didn't really you don't really see white boys in our neighborhood like that just for real you if if you saw a white person it was a white woman who was dating a black man living in the hood with her black man and she with her mixed babies it wasn't it was rarely you saw um white men particularly um so two white boys saying something trying to get me to come to van talking to me was strange as fuck. And um, I didn't come to the van. I went super, super around and crossed the street and called my mother. And my mother saw the green van and they pulled and they skirted off. When I told my my mother what happened, my mother, when I was, I was hollering my mother's name, well, saying mama, 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 mama. And when she came out and saw the green van and she had, remember she had told me about the dream. And she right. saw the green van. She said, what the fuck are y'all doing over here? And was trying to, um, she got the number and everything of the license plate and everything. But um, it, the green van skirted off. It was like, and kept going. And so I was like, my mama dreamed about this. My mama can have dreams. Right. So, <laughs> so I remember, I remember that feeling when I was younger. And, you know, and anytime I would watch America Most Wanted, it will remind me of that moment. So I totally, totally remember the vibe, particularly in the 80s when, you know, a lot of them p- people were getting abducted. My favorite true crime story is it has to be um, Lorena Bobby. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> It has to be Lorena Bobby because it has so much um, tidbits and reflection of how women's oppression was so prevalent in this time. Now, at the time that it was going on, I was a kid, so I didn't really know. um, I didn't have any politics. I didn't have I was a kid, so I didn't have any politics. I didn't have any. All I knew was all the jokes that was being made on like the comedy shows and, you know, people talking about this crazy bitch cut off his penis. And, you know, they were talking about it in almost like she just was a crazy. First of all, a, a, a cra- almost like a crazy white woman. I thought she was white because I didn't have any. Um, I knew what Latin like Latinx folks was like. I I had some a few of them in my class, but look in Indiana, it was black and white. <laughs> we, we I think so. It was very, but it's not like a Houston. 
No. It's not got you. Yeah, it was not like here. It was it was black and white. If you saw Asian, you probably it probably was like like in our high school, it was two Asians and they were brother and sister. Oh wow. <laughs> it was oh, Lakeview and, and Tron. And they they had the same parents. They went to school with us all the, the whole time. So I only saw two Asian growing up out of our whole school, two Asians. And in our wow. school, it was maybe like five um Latinx folks. So it totally not like Houston. So it's it it was probably like five. And when I was younger, it was worse than that. Like it was, I remember I had one um Latinx girl named Luce that I had in third grade. But other than that, I like I really can't remember a Latinx person in I know it was a couple, but like that I was close to to be their friend. Mm -hmm. I can't remember one. Only oh, reason why I knew the Asian one is because um lakeview the boy was in the choir he was in um he was in the chamber singers with us and so um that's the only reason why i knew him i didn't ever talk to his sister didn't know his sister it was black and white you was black mixed or white <laughs> that's all that it was my so, first kids was the boy kindergarten yeah so with with lorena i thought that she was a white woman i thought that she was a um that she was a white woman and you know I didn't know the nuance of her being an immigrant. I didn't know the nuance of her dating this white man and she barely even know how to speak English well. I didn't know, um, um, I didn't know, I know stuff about domestic violence because my mother was in a situation like that, but how to analyze it through the lens of this particular case, I didn't know about it. I didn't know about how, um, you know, the courts were set up for men to get over when it came to um, domestic violence. I didn't know all the things that were that were against her when she did what she did, like the idea of her cutting off his penis and how they were spinning it like it was a woman's scorn and like they were not even discussing any of the domestic violence situation, even though multiple people outside of her reported that she was being abused, multiple wow. people um that she was being abused she was a nail tech another thing that was cool as fuck one of the witnesses like there was a um an incident so when she was going through her trial there was an incident where people they were looking for how can you prove that you were being abused why was this never um you know why was it never any incidents why nobody else know da, 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 da. and she was like it was tons of incidents just because they the police didn't do a reporter just because you know, uh, there was tons of incidents. You can look at the neighbors who was there. They will tell you that he was kicking my motherfucking ass. Um, but a white woman who not um, who um, who was at a used to be a regular at the nail tech place that she used to be that she used to work at. She had some type of proof, something, Ooh. some. I don't know if it was a recording or some type of proof that only she I would have. I said, now you got me look, because I never did. I signed up of that. Um, always hearing about it. And then the fact I'm thinking about getting anything, like I'm thinking it might the image of getting my dick cut off. I'm like, I don't want to think about it, but now you've intrigued me to research this story. So thank you. So you need to watch the so you know Jordan Peele who did get out. Right. He produced the documentary uh called Lorena. Or if you got prime, watch it. 
called call okay. Lorena. So, so the lady has some type of proof, and she brought it to the man's lawyer. Oh, fuck. But that's what we everybody was like. Everybody's like, ooh, like not a, this gonna fuck her up because you know he ain't gonna try to do nothing. I ain't gonna try to show. But actually, this motherfucker had integrity, and he gave he gave the evidence to Lorena's lawyers. Oh wow, okay. Because he was like, you really was beating this woman up. Like, it, this is the proof that something has happened and this is what she needed. And he really did do the right thing and give the proof to the woman and give the proof to the woman's That's lawyers. And so it was just a bunch of stuff. Let, then they was able to tell the story after the shit happened and give you context of what's going on that we know now as far as um, what's happening. He went and tried to do porn because they tried. They put his piece back on. He... um. He he went and started working in Vegas in a, in like a porn shop or not a porn shop but like a a brothel house. It just was so much. She went on to be you know working in a nonprofit domestic violence thing. It's just a it was a huge ass story when I was kidding to see what went on and she hadn't got interviewed in so long and now she's a grown ass woman and how immigration made made it a problem. How immigration. You know, her being an immigrant really put her in a position where nobody was fucking listening to her. And, you know, and the nuances of I thought that I'm hitting the lick because I'm an immigrant and I'm getting married to this white man. Turned into something ugly. That is it has to be one of my favorite um, favorite true crime stories. It has to be one of them. Wow. You got to watch it. The things like that, and that nothing is necessarily new, but again, outside of like the jokes, remember hearing them as a kid, and even while doing this, I don't know why she has never this situation never came up in my head. Mm. And we, because often a lot of a lot of other true crime creators, it's a lot of like regurgitating the same shit. So now you gave me something else to spit, and now I want to look into it. Yeah, look into that. Wow. So, audience, make sure y'all let us know what are some of your true, who are some of your favorite serial killers, and let us know the craziest, most true crime story that you have ever run across. I know a lot lot of my friends watch Snapped. A a lot of my friends watch Snapped because, you know, it's women going off. (laughs) And so... Um, let me know what is your craziest story and hashtag Marsha's play and let me know what's going on in your mind as far as true crime. One thing, one of the things that we talked about when we were planning to be on the show, uh, planning for you to be on the show, we talked about like a, you know, like an ongoing battle, um, kind of love and hate relationship we have with culture that revolves around us. Right. Yes. Um, and it's like this tug of war of idealism and reality and being pc and at the same time we kind of um you know we we only have enough time to give like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to you know what's real and what's not real and think and the nuances and of things that happen in our life particularly shows like pose noah's ark different things that um 
that are like groundbreaking in a sense. Like they're the first of their kind. They can't mm-hmm. always be, you know, perfect in depicting what we are. Um, how important is it to you? What's that balance for you? Do you like a show to be more idealism or more real? I definitely, 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 and my friends will tell you, we bump heads on this. I want it to be honest. Well, after two, I want it to, I want more, I want it to be real. I want it to be real. Um, even though I'm very progressive, of course, all of it, like PC, I want it to be real because being a child, also um, raised in the suburbs on the hood on the weekend with some of my cousins, I was sheltered through so, so much. And even though with all that true crime stuff and having that ordeal, I was still so gullible to a lot of shit. Um, it took me a while to even be able to understand what um, elitism was. I never, I never, I didn't know that was a thing. Not amongst black people. And then like certain things back in the day, um, I would say, or just operating under this headspace because I was always sure that it was this. So I never want anybody, I never want anything to be portrayed to the fact to where you get tunnel vision. I think when you always just push a certain, um, not necessarily narrative, but you only provide certain information from one point of view, you do a disservice and, uh, and an injustice to the individuals who are receiving that information. Because my thing is, I'd rather be understood and understand something than worrying about how I agree or disagree with it. So I want it to be more real so I can understand it and make my own thoughts on it versus you feed me the soft the the soft lies or hard truths dressed up how I want it in a ball, if that makes sense. Right. That makes total sense. And uh recently there has been an incident with um Nikita Dragon, and I'm I'm definitely gonna talk about this with my co-host, but she was basically coming out of a club with a dude who knew her tea and mm-hmm. some other influencers saw her. And in the video that he put on um, his platform, he was clocking her tea, not knowing that the other dude knew her tea already. And he's like, oh, he, I feel sorry for that man. He going to get a surprise when he get home. He don't know that she a dude. That's a dude, man. That's a dude. And so she went on and she got got on her crocodile tears and got to talking about how this is the stuff that gets us killed and in the in the conversation revolving around it it was kind of sickening me and annoying me because she wasn't black um and because she I, it just felt like they were people weren't giving her because she was popular because mm-hmm. she was um you know, just being honest about some of the stuff that she does as a trans woman, like in regards to pussy stunting, even though this particular situation has nothing to do with this, they were, you know, they were not sensitive, even like trans people were not sensitive to her situation, all because she was not black, all because she was popular, all because, you know, whatever reason she has these privileges, but at the end of the day, the situation that she's talking about was because she was trans. It didn't have anything to do with, um, you know, with the shit you talk about. That all can be legitimate, talked about later on. But this situation, right, right. Uh, this situation that that we see that we have seen unfold is this dude trying to spill her tea to people 
And she's sharing with you that, like, this is a shit that you just don't do. I, he knows my team. Like, it'd be right. different if if this was a other, another situation where, you know, she was tricking somebody and da 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 And I have said this many times. Like, show me a case. Like, I'm a bitch. I'm an activist bitch. I look at cases. And I don't just look at cases when they happen, like a lot of people. Oh, when we hear about the murder happen. Ooh, I'm, ex I'm, I'm intrigued about the story. I follow the story after. I want right. to see who who the guy was what the scenario what the police say what the what was in the texas that the police found i want to get the details on what happened and i want people in, in the in the comments of me talking i want people to show me show me the case where a trans woman was tricking somebody and she got murdered show me right. the case where that was that's the detail that was the reason why she got murdered you're not because mm -hmm. most of the people the majority of trans women are being murdered by people who know their team. Absolutely. Are being murdered by people who they are in intimate relationships with. And Absolutely. so find me the, and even and when the and when the and when they're being murdered outside of that intimate partner kind of relationship, it's almost like a random incident where somebody is just doing a hateful thing, a hateful act to them and they get murdered. That's usually the case. I show me the case where a girl was actually tricking. This was in this was in the proof. This was in the evidence. Right. And this is not me saying that the girls don't do it. That don't that I was one of the girls who did it. Not now in my in my old age, but I don't play them games. But I remember in my younger years, I was. But also in my younger years, in those incidents, those were not my incidents of violence. The incidents of violence that I had were niggas who knew my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> right niggas who i was telling my tea up front and they mad because it was in they were attracted to me and their homeboys sees it and now they gotta buck up and try to fight me because i done told them i was honest and told them my tea so yes. you know that's what that's the lived experiences i know that's um anecdotal but this is the experience that i hear from a lot of people mm -hmm. it's people who know your tea that try to weird you out so this whole narrative narrative that we are tricking people is kind of crazy i want some type of idealism when it comes to the story and the narratives that are putting out when it comes to these shows and these creative projects i want you to show some different possibilities sometimes yeah. there there needs to be lessons that people can see and see a visual of how this representation let's talk about pose when we see um i love the idea of blanca finally having a man and we see what a healthy relationship with her man looks like i yeah. love the idea of we're of you know this big old dinner scene with all the girls in their yeah. white gowns like that those idealism i don't think that shit will happen but yeah. You know, I think it's seeing it and seeing the visual and seeing those possibilities is beautiful. But I also wanted it to be real. Like when we yep. think about Candy dying and, you know, idealistically, you know, we can be like, oh, why they had to, to, how to have to kill the dark skinned girl. Reality. And when you look at that, and then let me say it. So then what about feel no type of way for those who can't see me, who only hear this, I, I'm a door skin man, that when you go back and do the research, and you actually see the victims, they are dark skinned individuals. And my thing is, it's a hard pill to swallow when you're looking at it from a different lens. But baby, the reality of it is what it is. And my thing is, the individual now, let, let's be clear. 
we're not saying that um, light-skinned girls don't get killed, don't get murdered. However, what we do know is that you have more with dark-skinned women that have unfortunately met their demise during that whatever exchange may be, whether it's sex work, intimate, in, um, intimate relationship, that we're door skin. And y'all, it's okay because it happens. Because if we don't talk about it and we try to sit up there and push this other agenda with the police bias and saying, oh, because we want to be PC and we want to make a will, yeah, we can do that. But let's also listen, the shit gonna be real. Slavery happened, toast um, Black Wall Street happened, like. The fact that a lot of us, I didn't find out about um that until after college. That's the gag. Because how people wanted to tell the story without telling the story. So let's be real with it. Uh, and then, listen, even if nothing else is created from this day on, we got so much shit that we even grew up with. There's fantasy and things of that nature that we can always dive in. There's so many, so many books. My thing is, let's not get to the point to where we're so caught up with idealism because it is good it is like the end of ryan murphy's hollywood was great to see um all those individuals have the happy ending but let's not get so caught up in fantasy that we still lose track of what the reality is and how can we going forward change that right, right. even like i I, lo I love the idea of of like even like let's say uh, um a tina turner you know the idea of her in in the end of her movie was that you know she went on to be this amazing rock star that's her life that's a real her real yeah. life absolutely but we got to make sure we know the reality of domestic violence situations is a lot of women don't make it out of that situation and they especially don't. when it when they have the courage to leave the most vulnerable and dangerous time of a woman in a in a domestic violence situation is when she decides to leave. Yeah. It's really not when she's in it. It's when she decides to leave and get out. So, so in that situation with her and um, Ike, when he was in the car and he was trying to beg her to come back to him, and she still was saying no, she was so she could have easily pulled out a gun and said, yeah. "Boom." You know, yep. ain't nobody, ain't nobody. Cause didn't he pull out a gun? No, no, no. That was in the that was in the dressing room. But yep. in the car, he was that. We see what happened. That that yep. literally can happen. Where he's so angry that you're saying no to him, and he kill your motherfucking ass. And he don't give a fuck. He want to go. He don't matter. My life is over. My life is failing. So I can just go to jail and be laid up, getting taken care of by the state. There's a lot of situation that happens where. You know, it's just the real life situation. And I think that's better to show than idealism. I just, mm -hmm. but I don't think it should not be idealistic at all. I think we do, you know, just to, just because I think shows can be, have a, uh, a didactic quality to them where they're teaching somebody. And, um, and I think sometimes having that idealism can actually be an example, be an example of how to be a friend, how to be a good ally, be an example of the conversations that you can have to be an ally, the conversations that you can have to be a great husband, to be a great wife, to be a great friend, what it looks like. It can be great in showing yes. what it looks like, but also, excuse me, also the balance of showing what some real shit is happening. Right. 
Because there, there's certain projects that, that don't make it on that same notoriety that gives us uh, both sides that we can also take part in. And I Give think me an example. Um, say, for instance, um, on Amazon Prime, I was just watching, let's say, Guilt. It's a black queer miniseries um, produced by a black, a black queer person. And it was just basically um, showing... Um, well, I'm halfway through it, <laughs> but the premise of it is, is a, a black queer cop, um, killed a black, I don't know if the boy, well, he his victim was a black male. I don't know his sexuality. Um, and then he's getting all the scrutiny from the community, uh, having to deal with his boyfriend at home, what that looks like, um, the relationship between his family. And it's just so many different narratives that you don't that I haven't seen before. And I think it also is opportunity to have conversations. That's what I think a lot of people, you know what? And we, well, maybe, I don't know what's on the agenda. I know we had touched, talked about it when we were on preparing for the show. But again, it's always, a lot of people like dealing with uncomfortable truths. I became a teen father because my parents didn't talk to me about sex. My big brother talked to me about it before they did. And then after the fact, it was already too late. So, you know, we got to start, we have to be honest with ourselves because one thing that we, I feel as though that we, we do a lot better than the previous generation is the fact that we were exposed to more and we're more, we look at things more objectively. Mm. So, we're, Hopefully. of course, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> having those conversations um, with our children, um, as far as, like, even with the cancer culture, don't get, and unfortunately tonight, and I ain't trying to start no war with the generations, but what I've noticed uh, from a lot of people from Gen X and my big brothers and all that, like the stuff with R. Kelly with Aaliyah situation. I remember back in the day, and even not too long ago, a lot of people from that generation, oh, well, she uh, she shouldn't even been around that man X, Y, Z, and it's always a lot of victim blame. Instead of, hey, let's have this uncomfortable truth that we need to start checking these motherfucking men and individuals when they start to approach these girls. She shouldn't have that on because of yada yada. Instead of like trying to police what the baby went on, why are we sexualizing her and why are we not checking the system and the powers that be that will prey on her? You know, we we have one conversation and not that like, oh, well, she had that. So maybe you want to wear this or wear that. And it's just so much um, that I think that we have to get comfortable with our uncomfortableness. And and our, the part that we play in ignoring the culture that's happening. I remember growing up and I could walk down the street and it's not just me. I would see cisgender girls going through this, queer boys, anything that was fucking femme in nature, anything. Mm -hmm. I could walk down the street. If you could clock that I was queer, old ass fucking men will be trying to pick me up they would be trying to i would be a teenager and they would be trying to pick me up i remember i was like 12 and i'm walking down the street i hadn't even trans i hadn't transitioned at all i was a little a little 12 year old boy and i remember i was walking down the street child and he was following me in his car trying to offer to buy me jordans Mm -hmm. trying to offer to um you know and take me shopping huh was this a black man yes i was okay. in the hood so i'm trying to offer me come on come ride with me come get to my house um 
and it was a part of the culture and mm -hmm. i seen it happening like i seen it what happening with other people it was just a part of the fucking culture with with cisgender girls straight boys would be trying to get them trying to do stuff with them and um um the, the cis girls it just was it just was something that i saw happening and other people saw it happening too yep. it wasn't just they would see it and be like oh lord they go um so you know what i'm saying like they would know stuff yeah. like this is happening um i remember this dude when i got a little bit older i had transition at this point i, I was like 15 and there was this dude he was offering the boys the teenage boys jordans and 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 they and some of them would take them on an offer and they would come to school with their motherfucking jordans yeah, now yeah. i can't tell you what they did to get them jordans but i know they did something right. and as i got older and and became an adult and still met that dude that older guy that was doing this mm -hmm. i i he would talk about how you know how he's tricking on me and tricking on boys and you know long as you give you give them some weed and give them some jordans you know they'll do anything you want they'll fuck you down and did it blah 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 and how the how they would be in that kind of exchange and mm -hmm. their parents their parents may be poor their parents may be something doing something or on drugs or whatever and all they know is this dude even though he was obviously you know doing shit he wasn't supposed to be doing but because right. he was doing stuff like giving them money and giving them shoes their parents would turn a blind eye to it or they would be just neglecting it it wouldn't be because I, I hate the narrative of it's the parents fault not just that they would just be ignoring what was happening your son come in with some motherfucking 250 dollars shoes and you don't you ain't you ain't asking where it come from and sometimes right. because honey i'm worried about getting high i ain't worried about what kind of shoe oh you got some new shoes sickening did you steal them okay or whatever however he got them from it, and so there's so many nuances that i saw but i know people knew this stuff was going on and y'all ignored it we look, we know when you look at these posts on, on the internet, like people will just post like a Facebook page or a tweet, a tweet and say, when was the first, how old were you when a man came onto you for the first time? And if you look at the number, it's very young. Yeah. <laughs> like well, women yeah. will say 12, nine, 10, 11. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very young. And that's the culture. And it is definitely the culture, it, and it's again because oh lord, going back to the situation with the football player. And I said, what we have, what we have to realize is this, and even with doing this true crime now, let men, of course, we know how patriarchy work, and I, like we we know this shit is real. So it's not why it's real, but what we know about men is that they have a history. Regardless of the reason why, if a man gets upset and some don't go his way, he has been justified by public opinion for whatever reason to be able to act in that manner. You kill and product, and I like to speak specifically with sex work, right? Because when we talk about, we definitely want to, when they say stop killing. You know, all trans women not saying that all trans women engage in sex work however when you look at the things that connected you know so many first of all, all a lot of these serial killers have always targeted sex workers whether they may be cis or trans because it's a it that we see that men 
have an issue to where if they don't deem you valuable or value your life, you're disposable. Not just men, shit society. Sex workers, period. Just because you don't you don't you don't you don't um fit the respectable image of what a woman should be, you're not holding up those virtues and valuing those virtues, it's almost like you are dispendable. Like you you have no value. Why are we why are we looking look at the the um the cop who was raping those black women that age, I think he was Asian and white. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was raping those white women, those black women in Chicago that nobody cared because they weren't, um, they were sex workers. They were, um, street girls and da, da, da. Nobody cared when they were reporting it. And then when we look at Anthony Sowell, that was a true crime story, um, called mm -hmm. uh, that documentary called unseen that you know one of the reasons like literally they were getting away from him and going to the police and because they were dope fiends because they were just who are black girls yep. the police wasn't even looking into it until 11 motherfucking bodies was found in his house and even right. in the documentary remember that motherfucking um have you ever seen unseen um, the, remember that motherfucking store clerk, that, that corner store dude who was the worker at the corner store, he literally said he felt this serial killer was doing, uh, right. was doing a good deed for the community because these bitches fucking weren't worth living. He was getting rid of them. Absolutely. What? Crazy. And the thing is, and the reason, again, we have to have these conversations because it's not synonymous with one group of people. You, how many, like, how, how many, and, I, and it's not me shitting on my people, I'm just being real. How many times have we heard that from some of the elders in the community? Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, if y'all wouldn't be doing all this punk shit and this, that, anyway, or this, that, other, and they feel justified with it. Like, we gotta have those conversations. And that what pisses me off when, to me, if something wrong is wrong, regardless of who do it. My moral, my moral compass isn't tied to any default characteristics that I share with anybody, nor any um, personality, um, relationships, things of that nature. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if you do not check this shit here, again, case in point, when the sex workers were saying, hey, this motherfucker is doing this, I need to go look at it. When you don't check the shit today, it's either going to be you tomorrow or somebody close enough to you that you wish you would have said something in. And I really want people to understand that because if something or someone is harming us, we have to acknowledge that thing and then go with it. Like, quit making all these excuses as to why is this, that, and the other. Like, we need to address the shit and do what we need to do to eradicate the shit or the problem or even the individual. Yeah, that's what we got to do. To bring it back to the point of the, the conversation, when somebody is embarking on a creative venture, I think mm -hmm. there is something, there is something that you have to have. You have to have that balance of realism and that balance of idealism. But there are certain things that I don't think you should compromise on. Recently, they there is a movie called In the Heights. Um, and it is yeah, about, you know, it it's about this, but Washington Heights, this particular area in New York, and they're roasting it because it is whitewashing the area because there are dark skin afro latinx people that dominate this this area so this should not be a light skin centered motherfucking movie like if you'd like those are the things that i feel like should not be compromised on when you are giving a visual and you're the first 
person to give this visual representation of this particular culture or area or whatever this is the thing colorism isn't something that you should um compromise on this is something that you should say i am going i don't care how long it takes me when i'm doing this casting i am going to make sure excuse me <clears throat> i am going to make sure that it is representative of the story also mm -hmm. representative of the picture that i want to see and not just the dancing part because he the, the dude was saying you know the day did, did you get it wasn't enough black people in the dancing part but so yeah we saw some black people dancing but that's stereotypical shucking and jiving for you motherfuckers right but what about the main characters why isn't it any dark-skinned people in the main characters and they just were giving shitty ass responses because and you can't say that you're learning because bitch we've been having this conversation for too long and during this and in the motherfucking movie y'all bring up colorism points so you know what about mm -hmm. colorism motherfucker you can't play the game like you right. don't know like they're still learning get the fuck out of here and what else you got to learn to make you not <laughs> put some dark-skinned people in your shit? get the fuck out of here how hard is that and so it's not that's what i mean like it's certain things you got to be realistic you can't be idealistic because if your ideals are rooted in white supremacy if your ideals are rooted in light is right lighter is better then your ideals is shitty and it doesn't need to be put on the screen it needs to be more real and so you, that's the only negative about centering some idealism like even if we think about handmaid's tale so that's a whole fictional that's not telling some real story that's just a whole fictional um i hope this ain't fictional <laughs> part of it and so uh, there the in that narrative you're t you're you're telling a fictional story what i love about them is they complicate the characters there are people who are, was pushed as a villain but then they'll do something against that there's people who are pushed as a hero but then they'll do something against that and then there's like nuances and i think when you what makes a show great is when you do that when you complicate it everything is not straightforward everything is not idealistic sometimes it's real sometimes it's idealistic sometimes it's just um we want to give you something to think about <laughs> and you know and not make it easy yes or no and you know with that and I, I love that point and i agree with you wholeheartedly and it's so interesting now that we're starting to see movies like melissa finn and cruella to where the villain is being humanized when in reality and not trying to um backtrack but all these all these quote-unquote monsters are humans Here's the thing, all these serial killers are humans. And people feel they want to dress it up a certain way. Cause I remember like when we were kids, they were telling us about strangers. It'll always be, for the most part, a figure in a trench coat with a head. <laughs> that we don't know, some stranger we don't know. But, <laughs> right. but the reality is most people who are raped, most people who are molested, most people who are traumatized are traumatized by people who are either in their family or in their community Absolutely. that they know. Absolutely. And I, I want more of it. I don't, I, I hate the whole, and me, me and baby, me and Crystal go back and forth all the time about this. Um, Cause my baby, he's, he's a reader. He loves to read me. Now I need to watch it. I, I read, I research stuff. I need to watch it. Uh, my ADHD is set up that way. 
However, say for instance, um, have you watched either The Boys, Invincible, or um, shit, anything like uh, Justice League? Yes. Are you okay? So, have you seen all three of them? Invisible, yes. The Boys, no. Okay. Most of the Justice League. Okay, so you can catch the boys when you can on Amazon Prime. However, what? And I was reading an article. They're they're they're, um, they're saying that people are pushing more now um, towards the Invincible and the boys and things of that nature because the superheroes are reflecting real individuals. Everybody not on no Boy Scout shit like Superman. Oh, I refuse to kill and all that. And I'm like, the reality is that this shit happens. You saw Endgame, right? Um, another he and I what we had disagreed on. He was like, "How can Captain America not come back? How can you know that's part of his story?" Or and I said, "Listen, the real the man. How much more do y'all want from him? Like the man. Like when do you get to say I choose me? I'm done. Like um, I'm done. like Naomi Osaka. I'm done. Fuck this <laughs> French Open. Fuck y'all hoes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we are far individuals, and with it, that's what makes us who we are. So with the telling, you humanizing these villains, I'm all for it because guess what? They are new. Like, I, whoever, anybody can be the villain depending on what perspective you're looking at. Because the villain can be looking, like, and from the villain's eyes, you're the villain. You're stopping them from doing X, Y, Z. So with that, I just want people to understand that, yes, Again, and I hate saying this word because we say it all the time. We're not monolithic. We know individuals who fuck up. We do fuck up shit. We learn from our mistakes. So when you just have this cookie cutter, um, <laughs> somewhat a bluck is always portrayed is, and I said that we don't have people like that. However, when you have just an extreme this way, an extreme that way, oh, it just it irks it, it, it irks my ass the fact that we always you either one way this way or one way that way when in reality and exactly when something often with a lot of situations are presented baby we're in that gray area or sometimes we have to be this or sometimes we'll be that way mm, definitely thank you for coming on the show i had i knew this would be a good conversation um tell the people where they can find you you all can first of all thank you ma'am for this i loved it it was a lot more fun than i even thought about you think we um because the conversation is so fresh and refreshing um <laughs> y'all can find me um facebook adonis darling my page is public so you type me in facebook you can find me uh my true crime show is on youtube it's, it's tales from the crib that's t-a-l-e-z-d-a F regular from and then crib C R I B and I try to release weekly content. Um, I just got a new camera shout out to Timmy who was on the show. Uh, one of my besties who got me a new camera, so I'm trying to work there. But I'm about to film today, so you guys can catch me there. Um, feel free, come on my page, um, share your thoughts. You know, now I might not respond depending on if I feel like you're trying to troll me, but feel free. <laughs> and I will put all of those links in the bottom. Thank you again for coming. And I will see y'all next week. Have a wonderful night. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes 
and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right. Oh, don't you?